are listening to Meet and Write, a podcast that dives into liturgical worship and how communion really begins after church. Well, welcome to another episode of Meet and Write. We're very excited to have once again with us Father Daniel Avamosa. So thank you so much, Father, uh, for taking the time to be with us once again. Thank you so much. It's my blessing. Well, Father, we wanted to kind of talk about um, your bread and butter and the bread and butter of, of the Coptic Orthodox Church or one of the like pivotal points of the church, which is asceticism. We kind of think of asceticism, or I guess like when we hear of asceticism, we usually think of like some guy with like a long beard that's by himself. We think of the desert. We think of them just eating like, you know, locusts and honey and kind of just them being by themselves. And that's kind of for a lot of us, that's the only picture that comes to mind when we start thinking of monks and monasteries and asceticism. And, like, if you're listening to any part of liturgical worship in the church, you hear, like, a lot of saints that have, you know, grown up in the monastery or the monastic life was a pivotal part of their life, you know, like San Dioscoros or San Severus, and even in the litanies of the church that were praying for the monasteries. So, like, for the average Joe that's coming to church every Sunday, like, you hear about all the stuff about monastic life and the monks and things like that, and you're kind of thinking, like, what in the world does this have to do with me? What does asceticism have anything to do with me? Like, I have a regular job, I go to school, whatever. So I, I guess we kind of all have this, like, confusion, like, background of what is asceticism. So, Father, first question I want to throw at you is, what what in the world is asceticism? You know, that's a wonderful um, question, and it is important to every single cr- uh, Christian to know and understand what asceticism is and how it is important to them. So asceticism is really a tool that each Christian is going to use to cultivate a particular goal that they set for themselves. So I'll get down a little bit later into how exactly it is a tool, but before we get to that point, I want to clearly define uh, what the goals are that we're aiming for, because a carpenter can take a saw and he can just begin cutting some wood, or he can take a drill and just begin screwing screws into a wall, but unless he has a goal in his mind of what he's working towards, all his work and labor will be in vain, and he'll use those tools uh, in a way that doesn't benefit him. So I'd like to clearly uh, talk about the goals that we're going to shoot for, and then we'll see how asceticism uh, helps me reach those goals. So really, <clears throat> Christians have two goals that lie before them. Uh, the first one is going to be um, participation in God, or theopoiesis. So this allows a person to acquire life, uh, which is actually an attribute of God, and so having life, I will exist. Um, and uh, a nice uh, liturgical example of this is where it says in the institution narrative, for being determined to give himself up to death for the life of the world. So God wants me to have life from him. So he wants me to have this goal in front of me of participating in him or theopoiesis. And I'll just give two uh, patristic quotes. Uh, So one says, uh, this is St. Athanasius, he says, the word was made flesh in order to offer him, in order to offer this body for all, and that we, partaking of his spirit, might be deified a gift which we could no otherwise have gained than by his clothing himself in our created body. And you have uh, a nice uh, quote by St. Cyril. He says, uh, two quotes by St. Cyril. He says, He commands them to disregard all earthly and temporal matters and look only unto one end, 
the duty, namely, of everyone saving a soul. So it's very important. He says that we are commanded just, just to look after saving our souls. So then the next question would be, okay, how do I look after saving my soul? The very next quote by St. Cyril says, If they have the desire to be stronger than decay and to strip off death itself, which fell on us because of transgression, they will have to come to participation in the one who can give life. So we can see here that participation in God, or theopoiesis, is a goal that God set for me, and that the patristic fathers are saying that I need to, to have for myself and keep before my eyes is something that I'm moving towards. The other goal that every Christian should have is love, and this allows one to participate in God. Um, and a liturgical example of us uh, cultivating love and having this goal in front of us would be um, after the prayer of reconciliation, we greet one another with a holy kiss. So this is me actively pursuing this goal of love and um, peace and unity uh, with mankind and, and certainly my congregants that I'm um, around in my parish. So some patristic quotes about this. Um, Saint Cyril says, so the person who opts to live without love is not in God, instead lying outside of a relationship with God. And St. Athanasius says, for through virtue, a man enters in unto God. And just a quick note, by virtue, this can also mean love because our Savior himself said in John 14, he said, uh, he who has my commandments, it is he who loves me. So, when St. Athanasius is talking about virtue, um, that's also referring to love. So he says, For through virtue a man enters in unto God, as Moses did into the thick cloud where God was. But through vice a man goes out from the presence of the Lord. So we can see how important it is to have love as one of my goals, because without it, I go out from the presence of the Lord, and I lie outside of a relationship with God. And like you mentioned, Father, like both of them are clearly connected as far as um, you know, pursuing participation in God and acting out love go hand in hand. Absolutely. So we pursue love, and this allows me to be able to participate in God. Um, and I'll just uh, make a quick note about love. Love is keeping the commandments of God both with the mind and the body. So it's not just about acting out love uh, with my body, giving to the poor, and greeting other people with a holy kiss in church, but in my heart. I'm uh, angry towards them, or I'm hateful towards them, or I'm judging others. And conversely, it's also not loving others with my heart, but not acting out that love if I see someone that's needy, whether it's a, a poor person that needs you know, some food, or a person at church that might need my time to help solve a problem. So love is, is keeping God's commandments both in my mind, or my heart, or my soul, and also with my body. And that's a great point, Father, because many of us think of it as just like a, a checkbox that I gotta check. Oh, I can show love by doing X, Y, and Z, and we just do it like, see, I'm a good person, I just did this and that. But real, really, it has, it has to come from inside. It has to be based on a relationship for my love toward my Heavenly Father. Absolutely. It's not just actions. It's uh, mind and body working together. So then the next question we would ask ourselves is, okay, how do I cultivate this love that I see is one of my goals that I set in front of me? So following the commandments of God are a direct result of keeping the heart full of good and minimizing evil content. So if I want to love God, I need to fill my heart with good and keep it free of evil. And we can see this 
um, from Scripture in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 35. It says, let the heart of a man think good thoughts that his steps may be made straight. So it talks about the plane of the thought in the beginning of the verse. Then it talks about the plane of the body or of actions at the end. And even our Savior said something similar in Matthew 12, 35. He said, a good man out of the good things in his heart brings forth good. An evil man out of the evil things in his heart brings forth evil. So if I want to pursue this love of God and love of myself and love of others, I need to pursue it by filling myself with good. So I'll read some um, two patristic quotes, uh, one from St. Athanasius and one from St. Cyril. So the first one, St. Athanasius says, For as is his mind, such of necessity must be his actions. And a little later on in the same uh, writing, he says, After this, the word, showing that actions correspond with thoughts, says they are corrupt, they are profane in their machinations. And St. Cyril says, For the things that are in the mind and heart boil over and are vomited forth by the outflowing stream of speech. The virtuous man, therefore, speaks such things as become his character, while he who is worthless and wicked vomits forth his secret impurity. So we can see here both patristic fathers talking about the connection of mind and actions and that based on the state of my heart, I will have the corresponding actions manifesting themselves. Mm. So this is where asceticism comes into play. And uh, we'll explain now how we're going to use this tool of asceticism. So asceticism actually comes from the Greek word askin, and it means to exercise. So asceticism refers to exercises that have as their goal cultivating, maintaining, and growing in purity of heart. So I'll give two examples. You can have kind of you can break it down into kind of two classes: positive and negative asceticism. So I'll give an example of positive asceticism or positive exercises. This would be meditating on the saints. And an example in the liturgy is the commemoration of the saints itself. We're given such a wonderful opportunity when the commemoration of the saints comes in the liturgy uh, because it presents me with so many different righteous people. And I can pick just one of them and reflect on their life and it will benefit me so much and fill me with so much good. And this is exactly what St. Paul tells us to do in Philippians chapter 4. He says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So this is exactly what I do in the commemoration of the saints. And this is an example of positive asceticism. Then you also have negative asceticism. So this would be careful monitoring of and rejection of any unnecessary cares. So uh, this would be like what uh, our Lord and Savior warns us uh, in Luke. He says, But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts, being weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life. So he's talking about how he doesn't want us to be weighed down with all these uh, cares of the life and drunkenness and carousing. So this is negative asceticism in that I would distance myself from these things and make sure that they are not part of my life. And so by doing uh, those two exercises, positive and negative, you successfully use asceticism to fill your heart with good and keep it clear of evil. And by doing this, a person will cultivate a pure heart, and by having uh, more and more good filling their heart, they will bring forth righteous actions, and so this will cultivate love in them, love in the heart, and also love 
on the plane of actions and by cultivating love, this helps us achieve our goal of participating in God. So I'd also like to uh, make a note that asceticism, um, although it's a very important tool, it can be used incorrectly. So just like how I gave earlier in the talk the example of a carpenter who might pick up a saw and begin sawing wood. You know, I can saw wood for the purpose of, you know, sawing pieces that I need to put the um, framework of a house together, but I can also just saw wood randomly and for no reason, and the wood can be used for absolutely nothing, and then I just waste the wood. So I'll, I'll go over an example um, of correct and incorrect use of asceticism. Mm. So correctly using asceticism is acknowledging that asceticism is not one's final goal, but it, that it is an extremely useful tool to reach my final goal. And so I have a very nice quote by um, John Cassian in his conferences. It says, for this, for this we must seek for solitude. For this we know that we ought to submit to fasts, vigils, hard labors, bodily nakedness, reading, and all other virtues that through them we may be enabled to prepare our heart and to keep it unharmed by all evil passions and resting on these steps to mount to the perfection of love. And a little bit later it says, those things which are of secondary importance, such as fasts, vigils, withdrawal from the world, meditation on scripture, we ought to practice with a view to our main objective, i.e. purity of heart, which is love. And a little later he also says, therefore fasts, vigils, meditation on the scriptures, self-denial, and the renunciation of all possessions are not perfection, but aids to perfection, because the end of that science does not lie in these, but by means of these we arrive at that end. So again, it's very clear that asceticism is a tool to reach my goal, it is not the goal itself. Incorrect asceticism is thinking that asceticism itself is the goal, and I never use it to grow towards purity of heart. So read what St. Cyril says about this. He says, Therefore, since every virtue is summed up and fulfilled in the form and habit of love, let us not think highly of ourselves for fasting or sleeping on the ground or other burdens of asceticism if we do not carefully preserve love for the brother. And then a little bit later on he says, to boast in physical labors while falling short of the more important and necessary virtues is to fail at progressing toward the goal. Love is like a cornerstone of every virtue. Mm. So it's very important that when I'm using asceticism, I keep in mind the correct use, which, which is that it is a tool to help me reach my goal and that I don't become confused and incorrectly use it, thinking that asceticism, sleeping on the ground, fasts, um, reading scripture, that those are my goal, but that they are rather tools or means to reach my goal. It's and very like, important to keep that distinction. And like connecting it to the to the analogy you're using about the carpenter, <clears throat> if he just had a saw and he looked at the saw and said, this is a really good saw and doesn't understand how to use it, what good does it do for him? So it's the same thing. There has to be connection of how can I use the exercise or the tool of asceticism to, to aid and to fuel my relationship with God. Absolutely. And this is why um, St. Anthony in, in his sayings, he says, Anyone who is going to 
hammer a lump of metal first figures out what he wants to form. And then, then he goes on to say, also anyone who is going to practice a particular type of virtue needs to understand what his aim is. So it's the same idea that, okay, if I want to practice the virtue of sleeping on the ground or fasting or vigils or a voluntary poverty, I need to understand what goal I'm aiming for so that I can correctly use those tools to reach that goal. And that it's not just about fasting, it's not just about sleeping on the ground, because you can do those things and not have uh, love and not have communion or participation in God, but it's about using those things for the purpose of reaching my goal. And 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 like you're mentioning, Father, we can use that principle for, for so many things that we do in the Orthodox Church. For example, when we do the sign of the cross or we make a prostration or matanya, that by itself is is it, it's kind of pointless. But if I connect it in my relationship, kind of the same point you're making, Father, then I can use that in my relationship. So all these external exercises that we do are there to aid the internal relationship that we have with God. You're absolutely right. So I can do those things, like I can do a prostra- prostration, I can sign myself with the cross, um, I can uh, show up to Bible studies at church, I can do all those things, but if I don't do them with discernment, using them to help assist me in growing in my love with the Holy Trinity, then I'm using those tools incorrectly and they won't benefit me. So um, I'd like to just read kind of like um, a summary that will kind of tie everything together uh, that we've mentioned about asceticism um, so that everyone can understand how uh, it applies to them. So a good summary would be every Christian needs the assistance of asceticism to cultivate purity of heart so that through this purity, one can be united to God, participate in him, and live with him forever in his kingdom. Mm. So, and I'd also like to mention that um, being that everyone needs to practice asceticism, it's very important that everyone understands that you pr- everyone needs to practice asceticism according to his own abilities and according to uh, the environment that he's in. So um, it, it wouldn't be proper for someone who's in the world to look and say, okay, you know, there are monks that practice asceticism and they don't speak. So, you know, I'm going to go to work and I'm just not going to speak anymore for the sake of practicing asceticism and my relationship with God. Mm. This is incorrect application of the good thing of asceticism. So everyone is going to practice asceticism, which is just spiritual exercises. We said asceticism comes from the Greek word to exercise, but not everyone's going to exercise in the same way. So You can have people that are in their 60s, they're going to exercise at the gym to maintain their health, but they're going to exercise in a different way from someone who is in their 20s who is training for a triathlon or to go to the Olympics. So the training and the application of the exercises are going to be totally different, but the underlying fact that both are exercising is is still there. So both have exercises that they do, but it's different applications and intensities of those exercises that they have in their lives. And I love that, Father. And that's a reminder for all of us that when we think of asceticism, we think of the monastic life, that we don't just say, oh, that's them, they're like at a different level spiritually, and that's that's good for them, that's not for us. Like, I have a job, I have kids, I have work, I have life. It's different. No, but like you're mentioning, Father, it's a principle, it's an exercise that I can apply to my relationship. So just like as we hear the sense and we hear things about asceticism in church, that we don't just disconnect from it and say, oh, that, that belongs to them. Those are the guys with the halos on their head and whatever. That doesn't apply to me. But it's something that, that is for me. It's a spiritual exercise that I can apply. And just like you mentioned, Father, at the end, that it, it all comes in different shapes and sizes and different forms. But the principle 
must be applied. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Father, for your time. I really appreciate it. And uh, please keep us in your prayers. Thank you. It was my blessing. You have been listening to Meet and Write. For more episodes and resources, make sure to check out CoptaKimsonEnglish.com.